0: Um, Romans 14 tonight, I'm sorry, 15, Romans 15, there are really several other places where the Bible talks about um, uh, our relationship one with another, and there's two of those in this text tonight, and uh, I figure this would wrap it up um, as far as the, the variety of where these things show up, and, and uh, so we're going we're gonna to look at Romans 15, just a, a few passages um, into Romans 15 and uh, get some help here this evening. But it says this in Romans 15, um, verse number one. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproacheth thee fell on me. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, uh, that we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Jesus Christ, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, receive you one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. And we'll go ahead and just pause there. Uh, can I get one of you boys to turn me down just a little bit back there? Let's uh, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for our time together in your word, uh, and time opportunity to fellowship with other believers. And I pray as we look at this passage, Lord, that we'd uh, first and foremost get the understanding that you'd have us to understand, and and then secondly, uh, by application, understand our place in our church and the context that you've placed us in, uh, where we're at uh, this day. And Lord, I just pray that you'd help us, that you'd strengthen our church, and uh, some of these principles that have been brought out, Lord, that we would apply them, and and take them to heart in our responsibility to each other, that we are not um, on our own in this thing, but that we do carry one another, and we help one another, and we encourage and edify. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us uh, to be such a church. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you recall chapter 14, I've referenced chapter 14 a lot. Um, it's, uh, it's really become a passage, uh, a portion of Scripture that I've, I've really look to and in determining some things and and uh and and romans 14 is a very uncomfortable chapter for the person who is the prophet where everything's black and white uh it's even uncomfortable for the person that's the teacher uh because it almost it almost has this idea of to each his own um live and let live it's almost there you know well if it's right for you it's right and if it's wrong for you it's wrong and and uh it, it almost carries that idea now uh, with that, he's making some comparisons, and I think in the in the area of non essentials, um, he talks about meats. He talks about those that are weaker are abstaining from meats, and and the spiritual ones need to consider them and not be a stumbling block. And those that are, uh, um, you know, the way they exercise, holy days, and and uh, and various issues. Uh, however, Paul makes a very strong case. Don't just take this flippantly, but but um, but make sure that you you've got a conviction. From the Lord, from Scriptures, uh, and uh, and that's where verse twenty three comes in. That he that doubteth is damned uh, or condemned, if you would, uh, if he eat because he eateth not of faith. for whatsoever faith is not of sin, or, or whatsoever not of faith is sin? And 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 the idea there of eating is uh, is meats. You know, uh, understanding that there were some that really had a problem with eating certain meats, or others that felt total liberty. And uh, but if you're there and you're kind of you're doubting, well. I don't know if this is right to do, so I'm just going to go ahead and do it. What he's saying is you're guilty. You're guilty there in your conscience. You're, you've not settled this issue. Don't step into something until you've, until you've sought it out. And, uh, and, and I'm kind of focusing on chapter 14 because uh, chapter 15 starts with we then. That then is very similar to the therefore that we see so often. And, um, and so he talks about there are Christians that are more mature. And they're the, and by the way, the responsibility is on the more mature to condescend, if you would, to be a help to the one who's less mature. It's always the responsibility of the stronger one to help out the weaker one, and never the other. Okay, And and that's where it starts out. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not please ourselves. Now, if we're building upon the context of the previous chapter, it's talking about don't, don't be a stumbling block, don't grieve your brother with your meat. Uh, that's in verse 15. Um, and, you know, it, several of these these passages destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. Let not your good be evil spoken of. It kind of has this idea that the strong person can say, well, maybe they just need to grow up spiritually, so I, and we can all enjoy this meat together. You know, and we can have this idea. And in the meantime, you have you don't realize that you're actually harming the brother. And uh, this can be applied to a lot of areas, but we got to be very careful with this. And so, as it say, the stronger one must. Be- The infirmity, what is that infirmity? The infirmity is whatever that weakness is in the faith. He may have an area where he's struggling with a little bit. He may have an area where he's not as mature, not as strong. And so what do we do? We we bear that. Now, here's the key, not to please ourselves. So in other words, if I'm bearing the infirmity of the weak, it's to a point that I myself am a little uncomfortable. It's not pleasing to me. I'm literally going out of my way, so that I'm helping this, this weaker Christian. Now, that's not comfortable. That's inconvenient, right? Uh, I wish we can just uh, just move on and just uh, just everyone kind of, uh, you know, th- this, I think, comes back to, the, again, this idea, this theme, that, we, that we're not renegades in this thing, that we are members one another, that we are a body, and that we are uh, uh, to work together in this context. I, I like uh, 1 Corinthians 14, where it talks about the eye and the ear and the hands and the, the feet and so forth. And uh, carrying this idea that there are different functions, there are different parts and how it only works if it's all together. Uh, just like the body if you if you had a, a dislocated arm, that arm's not working well with the rest of the body. If you have a dislocated person in, in the in the context of the church, um, that body's not going to work like it's supposed to work. And so what do we do? We we see the more feeble ones, or we see the one with infirmity, and we lay ourselves down to the point that we're trying to help them along. So then it says this, verse 2, Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. So we don't please ourselves, verse 1, but on the contrary, we please our neighbor to what end? To edify him. We looked at edifying one another in one of the previous uh, lessons, but uh, the, the word edify, it means to build up. Um, if you have an edifice, you've got a structure, a building, something that has been, been, been built up. And so to edify, I'm giving them the building blocks they need, and, and, and especially when you consider this context. They're, they're weaker in the faith. They've got some infirmities. So what am I doing? I, I, I refuse to please myself. I'm, I'm pulling away, if you would, from actually pleasing myself. And on the flip side, I am pleasing the other. And to what end? Is it just, you know... Uh, is it just, uh, you know, because this is where sometimes it's hard to have discernment. Uh, some people are just take, 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 right? All the time. Always needy. Always needy. And and sometimes we can be enablers. And so here's the, here's the point. to For his good, to what end? To edification. This is to help them grow. This is to help them uh, uh, mature in their faith, in their walk with the Lord, giving them the strength they need. I like Galatians. Galatians chapter 6 talks about... Uh, how we, uh, uh, say, same kind of a concept of bearing the infirmities of the weak, it says uh, uh, to bear uh, one another's burdens. We bear others' burdens. Then later on in the same chapter, it says let every man bear his own burden. Well, Which is it? Are we to bear others' burdens or are we to bear our own burden? And the answer is yes. There are times when we are weak, there are times when we're struggling, there are times when we're dealing with infirmities that the stronger ones need to come aside and say, hey, why don't you uh, uh, lean on my shoulder for a while? Why don't you let me help you? Help pick you up, help carry you a little bit until you get your strength back. But that's not a long-term solution. The long-term solution is at some point, you carry your burden again. In fact, really a great goal would be that you get strong enough then that you can help carry another's burden down the road like somebody helped you carry yours. And I think that's the idea in, uh, in Galatians 6. Without jumping over there, uh, uh, you can look at that later. But um, so what do we do? We 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 don't. We choose not to please ourselves. We're going to please our neighbor to his good ed, for edification. Verse three, we get a divine example. This is the Lord Jesus Christ, and it says, "For even Christ pleased not Himself." Now, when we think of Jesus Christ, when we think of what, the overview of His ministry, uh, did He ever seek to please Himself? I mean, we think of the cross. Obviously, that was not pleasurable. Okay, we think of the whipping and the scourging and the and uh, the crown of thorns and the nails and uh, the dehydration and just the rip plucking of the beer everything oh that was definitely not pleasing but you think about the whole ministry of Christ how many times he went without sleep to serve others how many times he had spent all night in prayer how many times he would he would uh, how long shall I be with you how long shall I suffer you I mean it almost is kind of a frustration him I, I, you know if it was you and I uh, you or me we would throw up our hands and say you know what I've tried these guys are just too stubborn. These guys are just too hard-headed. You know? But he was so patient with them. But, but you think about this, it was never about Jesus. It was always about serving others. It was about kneeling down and washing their feet. It was a, it was a selfless thing. And so, so whenever Paul brings the example around to Jesus Christ, we ought to buckle up because this is going to hurt. <laughs> this is going to cost us something. I think about uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 8, when he's challenging the Corinthians to be a part of this offering to relieve the suffering Christians in Jerusalem. And, uh, and he challenges them uh, with this thought. And he, and he says this. Uh, uh, he says, You know, I speak not by commandment. This is not something you all have to do, but that you may prove the sincerity of your love. Well, love to love to God. And so now it's like kind of like, ah, oh, this kind of proves something. And then he says this: for Jesus Christ, okay, here it comes, you know, and he talks about how he left his riches in heaven. And he became poor for your sake, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And now he brings this very, you know, this divine example that says, "Ouch, <laughs> that's gonna hurt." Because the idea is this: you make yourself poor, that others could be enriched. Now we're not talking about physical things, but we we, we take the physical asset of making ourselves poor in a sense so that others could become spiritually rich. That's why we send missionaries. That's why we, 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 we try to meet needs and try to help in the ways that we can we, uh, um, uh, in, in, the, you know, in the various uh, opportunities that come our way. And so that's the challenge on our church. With. But he comes to this divine example. Similarly here, we're talking about, uh, we're in Romans 15. Uh, you know, and he says, uh, we shouldn't please ourselves, but rather we should please our neighbor for edification so then he says, even Jesus, even Christ, please not himself, but as is written, the reproaches of them that reproacheth thee fell on me. Well, he took it so far that he became a reproach. Now, this kind of—it's uh, interesting—the language there. It wasn't just that, oh, you know, he he kind of suffered for others. He kind of uh, uh, met others in their infirmity and their difficulty, but rather takes it to a whole new level that he became a reproach. What if our serving others goes so far as, what are people going to think? What, 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 what does this do to my reputation to, to be seen helping them? Right. Um, it, you know, this is a whole new level of, of the opposite of, you know, of not pleasing self. But for others to their good of, of edification. And so then it goes on, verse 4, For what sort of things were written aforetime, prior, previously, were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scripture might have hope. We're going to learn some things through the examples of the Bible, from the examples of Jesus Christ, from the examples of what others had gone through in these areas. It's interesting that kind of throws that out right there. So then it goes on, verse 5. Now, Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Jesus Christ. Now, we already looked at not pleasing ourselves, but pleasing others, Jesus being that example. But verse number five, the the word now, and then even for is kind of transitional. We're we're saying, okay, I think we're we're shifting topic a little bit here. But notice what it says, the God of patience and consolation. Two two things that's describing our God. He's a very patient God, and he's a God of consolation. Let me know what consolation means. soul somebody. You can't use the word to define the word. Make them feel better. Yeah, uh, a comfort, uh, consolation, and comfort. I think go very close, uh, very close hand in hand. First Corinthians, Second uh, Corinthians, one talks about the God of comfort and consolation. He uses both those words. And um, um, but yeah, it, uh, it, verse four talks about the comfort of the scriptures. He says the God of patience, consolation, grant you to be like-minded one toward another to Christ Jesus. What's the like-mindedness? Let me me continue. That ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father, Lord Jesus Christ. I want to submit to you uh, uh, that that the the comparison that God wants us to be in this like-mindedness is this, that like-mindedness of God's patience and God's consolation. The God of patience and consolation grant to you that you be like-minded. What mind? A mind of patience a mind of consolation. This is what you and I as believers ought to be with one toward another. So, so this like-mindedness is this idea. When As I serve and I, and I work alongside and I'm, 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 I'm with other believers, I, I have the mind of God, and that is patience. Now let me just say, you need patience if you're going to not please yourself, but please others for their edification. You're going to need patience if you're going to be dealing with those that have infirmities. You're trying to bear those infirmities. You're going to need some serious patience. There are going to be times where it feels like, oh, we're going through this again. They still haven't learned. They still haven't gotten past this infirmity. They still haven't, gotten, they still haven't matured spiritually. How many times I've gone through uh, uh, de- uh, dealing with individuals, the same issue over and over and over again. You think, at one point, are you going to start getting it? At one point, you know, and, uh, and I'm not saying I'm frustrated, but it, it can look like, you know, like, we're doing this again. Here we are yet again. Here you found yourself at the bar yet again. Here you found yourself... Uh, you know, going back to the drugs, going back to, you know, whatever. I, I think those are great examples when you talk about, you know, addictions because it's like, I'm never doing that again and I'm going to get on the right path. And then all of a sudden you find yourself, there they are again in their infirmity. And so God is saying as as believers, how do we do this? Well, we do what God does with us. How many times have you prayed to God about the same issue that you're struggling with? God, I'm this again. God, I blew up again, my anger. God, I, I I looked at what I shouldn't have looked at again. God, I, I and we keep coming back to you know, the same thing over and over again. But you know what? God, God doesn't say, you know what? We've been through this so many times. I'm done. I'm done. In fact, how many times did Jesus tell Peter that we ought to forgive one another? Right? 70 times 7. Uh, the idea is this, that, that this is a whole new level, Peter, because you're going to deal with people who are going to let you down. You're going to deal with people that are going to struggle over and over and over again. And uh, and so you can't take it personal. You have to, If we're going to help others, if we're going to deal with others, we have to have this patience that God has toward us. And I think one thing that really helps us with this is coming back to this mindset. Uh, think about where you were when God saved you. Think about how far you've come. Think about how hard-headed you've been to get from where you were to where you are. Am I the only one? I hope we're honest about this. And no, I've always been a, a saint, a perfect Christian. Uh, we'll see. Let's see what your spouse says about that. So the first thing was the patience, and then the consolation, the comfort aspect. Now many times when someone's struggling with an issue, and, and you know we saw in uh, in Romans fourteen the the issue of the weaker one. There's an issue of. Uh, He's he's weak spiritually. He's unsure of things. And many times that can lead to a sin issue. It can lead to, you know, they're unsure of their position, who they are in Christ. They're unsure of their walk with God. They're unsure of their footing. And many times when you're helping someone along, you you, you look at them. You look at your, your, your children sometimes and you say, life doesn't have to be this difficult. You're making it so hard on yourself, it doesn't have to be this way you know, you're working with others, and it's like, why are you, every time you take the most difficult route, when when God's given a much simpler route, Why do, it doesn't have to be this way. And, and many times we can lose sight of that concept of consolation along the way. How do we encourage? How do we help them? Um, I was, uh, I, 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 ho- I hope the message was a blessing this morning. I was, I was uh, I felt like I was really struggling this morning with uh, just, just being tired of my mind. It was a little bit foggy. And, um, but I love the concept of how Paul was addressing this church that had let him down, that had uh, he'd been disappointed by uh, with 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 such positive things. I thank God always on every you know, my remembrance of him, Every time I go to God in prayer, I'm thanking God for you. I I, I and he, he pointed out who they are in Christ, that they were saints, that, that 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 God had a person, that God had gifted them, and He was really. Focusing on that, and so easy to say, guys, you made a mess of this. You've been blowing it with these gifts. But instead, he said, "You know, I'm thankful for the gifts. We can we'll fix how you're using it. But I'm very thankful for these gifts. You know what that is? That's consolation. That's consoling. He's not he's not saying you blew it. You know, I'm reminded of um, in James when God invites us. Any of you lack wisdom, all of us, let him ask of God who giveth all men liberally. And here's here's the key: and upbraideth not. You know what that is? That's his consolation. He doesn't throw it up in your face when you've abused the wisdom that he gave you. What's the matter with you? I gave you the wisdom and you still made the wrong decision. Are we all right tonight? You see, uh, uh, this is the consolation of God. And so when we're helping others along, it takes both patience, it takes consolation. uh, Comforting them in this. Look, I understand you're struggling with this issue. I understand that you may be weak in this issue. And by the way, let's be careful here before we judge too quickly because they might look at the issue you have and say, well, how do you struggle with that thing? I don't have a problem with that one. See, we've all got our snare. We've all got our, our uh, besetting sin, as, as uh, Paul talks about in uh, in, uh, in Hebrews, and um, and so he goes on in verse number six that you be with one mind and one mouth, glorify God. Now, now verse six is tying to verse five that ye that that what uh, uh, that you have the mind one of another. What mind? Well, this God of patience that He'd grant, and consolation that He grants you to be like minded, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. How do we one mind we're we'll about one another? How do we with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ? I think there's a there's a very practical aspect. We do that in church. When we sing together, when we pray together, when we respond to preaching together. Uh, that's a very practical aspect, but I think Specifically, in this in this text here, I think is when we exercise in patience and consolation as we bear in others' infirmity, as we are working with each other. What are we doing? We are together glorifying God. It lead, folks. It's going to lead to. Let me tell you what God's done in my life. That's with my mouth. It's going to lead to we all have this heart that, that as I was helped, I was shown the way to help others. You know, it's interesting when you go through something and you've actually come through it on the other side. Um, you look back and you say, wow, look at the process that I was taken through, the grace of God that was in that thing. And when I get an opportunity, I mentioned 2 Corinthians 1 earlier, talking about the God of comfort and consolation, who comforts us in our tribulation, that we with the same comfort might be a comfort to them uh, that are in any trouble. And so so as God deals with us and God comforts us and and, and gives us the grace that we need to overcome something, God says it's for a purpose that you would turn around and be a help to someone else who's going through some sort of a struggle. So as we come along and we say, we say, wow, I was helped, and I go along to help someone else, uh, we're going to do that with a mindset, having that same mind. We're going to do that with our mouths, and in turn, we're going to be glorifying God. We, I've said this many times. How do we serve God? We're serving people. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's going to be very difficult to find a tangible way to say that you serve God that, that does not involve people. That's how we serve God. And so very similarly, this is how we're going to glorify God with this mindset of, 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 of bringing others along and, and, and uh, being patient and consolation and, and following that heartbeat of God as He's dealt with us. Verse number 7. Wherefore, receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now, that's an interesting passage. Receive you one another. Because when someone comes along that does not look like us, that does not have things together like we might uh, have our, in our mind, we say, well, they don't, I don't know if they really quite, you know, why? Because they have an infirmity. They are less spiritual, if you would. They are weaker in the faith. And, and so he says, when you bring these along, understand that they're here for a purpose. Receive them. You know, I'm convinced when God brings people our way. Not by the way, not everyone's going to find a home in this church. Not everyone's going to find a place here. But I don't want that to be because we did not receive them. I want it to be because they that that, just wasn't the fit for them. If God brings them our way, I want to steward every person that comes in through those doors. I want to steward every potential relationship that comes across my path. Every every divine appointment and uh, you know, I don't want it to be, uh, you know, <laughs> God up there saying, "I sent this family to you because you could help them," and they were turned away. What, what a horrible thought that is. You know, uh, the things that God gives us, I believe, are things to be shared—spiritual gifts, right? Our salvation. You know, the amazing thing about the gospel: you can give it away and give it away and give it away, and you'll never lose any bit of it yourself the grace of God that has saved you, you're not going to lose any bit of that as you share the grace of God with somebody else. And so similarly, as God has, has brought us along, and God brings others across our path, He says, receive you one another as Christ also received us. You know, it's interesting when we look at who Christ received in His earthly ministry. Very few of them are religious people. There are very few Pharisees in that very few uh, very few Sadducees very few scribes priests what do we see we see lepers who wants to be around a leper we see we see people you know looking for answers we see the sick we see all these different groups and uh, uh, you know even <laughs> yeah I love that passage when that, uh, that Canaanite woman comes to him and and Jesus just flat out ignores her. And uh, the disciples say she's crying after us. And we see this great display of humility on this woman's part. And she says, she says, "Lord, you know even the even the dogs can have some crumbs that fall from the table." And the Bible says that Jesus marveled. wow, you know. And he and he met her need. And uh, the disciples were taken back by that. Whoa, that's different. You know, they didn't want anything to do with the Samaritans, and you know, they had all these different prejudices that, that would come along. And uh, and God and and the gospel really. Kind of broke down all those barriers, and uh, and even in Romans, some of that is addressed with the Jews and the Gentiles, and and we'll see that in just a minute uh, as an example. Of verse number eight. Now I say that Jesus Christ was the minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promise made unto the fathers, and he's going to list several verses that are referencing these promises made to the fathers. Now, so here's the idea. As Paul is telling them, Jesus was a minister of the circumcision to fulfill a promise. Now, how many of you heard this? Uh, and maybe I've said it to a certain point, but, but, uh, but, but uh, don't miss what, I say, what, I, what I'm saying here. Uh, how many of you have heard this? Uh, Christ brought His message and His plan to the Jews the Jews rejected it, so therefore he went to the Gentiles. Okay, That's very common to say it that way. Now I will say this, it was always God's plan. It was always God's plan um, to go to the Gentiles. And I think that's what Paul's about to say. Well, he went to the Jews to 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 fulfill, to complete, to, uh, how's the word to use it? Uh, he was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promise made unto the fathers. The, the Jews became quite... Uh, uh, prejudice, quite kind of looking inward, like uh, like look at uh, 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 we're we're special. We we have uh, the word of God. God has chosen us, and and everyone else was kind of second class citizens. They understand something. God had called them to be a light unto the Gentiles. That's the Old Testament. Uh, when Jesus quoted um, from the from Isaiah when he was turning over the tables, right? And he said, it is written, my house should be called a house of prayer, but you've made a den of thieves. The rest of the verse that he was quoting from in Isaiah says, my house should be called a house of prayer to all people. To all people. See, it was never God's idea that he was going to just have this one select group. Now, he used the Jews. That was the group he chose to bring about the word of God, to bring about the Messiah, to bring about his plan. And they're still, they're still part of his plan even yet in the future. But it's interesting, he says this, he goes to them to confirm it. Now, here is several examples. Uh verse number nine. That the Gentiles, the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, For this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. That's a quote from Psalm 1849. I'm going to praise God before the Gentiles. So what why? Why? So that they might come in and praise his name too. Uh, verse number 10. And again he saith, Rejoice ye Gentiles with his people. That's a quote from Deuteronomy 3043. Uh, Rejoice uh, ye Gentiles with his people, with God's people. Come into this thing. Uh, verse number eleven. And, and again, praise ye the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and loud his uh loud him, uh all ye people. That's from Psalm 117, verse 1. Verse number 12. And again, Isaiah saith, There shall be a root of Jesse. Uh, and, and, he, he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles trust. That's Isaiah 11, 1 through 10, uh, kind of an overview of that. And, uh, and the idea is this, that he says, guys, here's the example you've missed. Don't refuse anybody. Accept them when they come in. Accept them when they're, they're brought to this, because, because this has been God's plan all along. And specifically looking at the Jewish audience of those that were at Rome, he's saying, uh, God had always had a plan to bring in the Gentiles. And when Jesus ministered to the Jews, yes, He came to His own and He was fulfilling the law and all, those, all the aspects of that, but but it was it was to confirm the promise. Now, how many of you understand God is a God that keeps His promise? When we talk about the promises of God, we, we often will talk about, uh, uh, we might use the word covenant, right? We'll talk about the covenant made to Abraham. We'll talk about how He reiterated it to uh, Isaac and Jacob. We talk about the, the covenant made to David, the Davidic covenant. Messiah would rule from his throne, and, and those things, and, and we see those. Well, if God's going to fulfill those, then of course He's going to fulfill these other ones. It says the Gentiles will be part of this too, and that God has a plan. So, so what's He saying? They have these natural prejudices, and uh, and uh, that word feels wrong. Did I say that right? Prejudices. It just feels wrong. <laughs> okay. Uh, and uh, and uh, what was He saying? All the way back in verse number seven. Receive ye one another as Christ also received us. Now, there's two aspects of the us. I think specifically in the context here, Paul's talking about us Jews. Uh, But but you don't have to have that that definition. The fact that he's received anybody uh, is amazing. But as God had received the Jews, he says, receive others. Because he's also got a plan for the Gentiles. And so when they come in, it's very easy to say, Okay, well, you can maybe be a part of this, but, but we're going to have Gentile seating over here. Or, you know, maybe they're not full fledged members. You know, and uh, he says, no, 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 no. Bring them in. Bring them in. Now, when you talk about a Jewish mindset, it'd be very easy to understand who he was talking about when he says, bear the infirmities of the weak. It'd be very easy to understand who is the weaker one. Well, obviously, the Gentiles. They don't have the foundation of the Old Testament. They don't have these. So so what's he saying? Guys, receive them. I know they're different. I know they even have some opinions about you. Receive them. What does this mean for our church today? I know we don't have a Jewish Gentile issue. Okay, We're all Gentiles. What does this mean for us? Hey, sometimes people are going to come in that just don't seem to fit in, aren't aren't quite there. Give it time. Be patient. I do believe this. If people are not a part of what we have going on here, they're going to eventually realize I don't belong here. Let it not be us running them off. Let them make their decision. But as, as we have an opportunity, it may be two weeks. It may be eight weeks. It may be a year that we have an opportunity to minister, to help someone grow along, to 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 bear their infirmities. We should do it with patience. We should do it with consolation. And uh, and and that's that's the one other uh, that's powerful it. there. Verse number 13, after he kind of wraps all that up. Uh, points to the Jews. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Did you know hope can grow? It says here that you may abound in hope. We've talked about hope. What is hope? Hope is an expected, uh, an expected end. It's an expectation based on the promises of God. It's not uh, fingers crossed. You know, I just hope things work out. It's, a, it's an expectation based on God's promise, and so He says this: you can grow in this hope. And um, um, I'll go ahead I'll go and stop there because it kind of change, changes the, the the direction just a little bit. But um, but uh, but you know, here here we have in this passage we have we have two or three one another's that show up, and the idea is this: that of of bearing the infirmities of those that are weak, of of uh, not pleasing ourselves, pleasing others to an end, to a purpose, for their edification, for their growth. We take on this mindset, this like-mindedness. You know, there's several places where something like that shows up, right? Philippians 2, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. What's that context? Serving others. Serving others. Look not every man on his own things, but the things of others also. Right? And so the mind of Christ is serving. Here, the mind of God, that he wants us to be like-minded in this, of patience, of consolation. As we serve one another, we glorify God in this idea. He says, so therefore, as we as we uh, uh, have the same mind one of another, we also ought to receive one another. And, and those are the two one-anothers I want to just kind of point out tonight, as we receive one another. Folks, this is something I think even the most healthy of churches need to, bat, need to fight against, and that is um church is becoming becoming clickish church is becoming you know well we have the in crowd or we have this group or this group and and uh, you know we receive one another you know all oh, you're they're not part of us they're they're their own you know and listen there'll be some weirdos there'll be some nuts you know uh, uh, a church family is like a is like a what is it like a, like a, cook, uh, a cookie you know mostly sweet with a few nuts sprinkled in okay and um you know, there'll be some that are just kind of oddballs, and you think, for whatever reason, God's brought them here. And you know, they're 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 a part of this thing. And um, and so we receive them just as Christ received us. I now, mean, you understand my action. And I've been I've been at this thing a few years trying to be a Christian. My action has, if I really am going to be strict about it. I'm not even close to where God, God wants me to be. Yet Christ has received me. You know, uh, uh, what, I love what Paul said. He says, I thank God who, 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 who counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Who was before a, a blasphemer, a persecutor of the church. And Paul's like, it was amazing to think that. He talked about how the grace of God that was in him that allowed him to minister more than others. And it wasn't like a bragging thing, like God's working more than me than you. No, it was this is the grace of God that carried him. It was, I think, it was a very humble statement when he said that. First Corinthians, and so, uh, so as Christ has brought me along, and I think this helps us with others. Think, consider who you are. Consider where you've come from with Christ. As God has dealt with me and received me, how, how can I turn away others? How can I? Uh, no, no. You know, I'm, I'm to receive others as well. And um, uh, let me just end with that. There was a line from a song, i was going to quote, but i the past. Um You know, when you think about the price that Christ paid for our salvation, for the redemption of mankind, how arrogant it would be for us to say, to, to, to put together some sort of a, 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 a checklist, that says unless you meet these qualifications, you can't be a part of it. Okay, now there are some I think qualifications. Right, the Bible uh, gives some standards as a church, for those the ones who've been received. All right. there's a process. You know, even even in our own church, well, I want to hear a testimony of salvation if you're going to be uh, a part of the membership. Uh, uh, I want to, you know, but but uh, but um, but beyond that, you know, well, I you don't know, you you smell. I don't know, you have a different background. You have a different, you know. Well, praise the Lord. Uh, here's where our church is. Here's where you're at. And if you feel God wants to be a part of this, how can we bear your infirmities, bear the shortcomings, for your edification, your building up, to where you get to a, a fuller understanding of truth, a full understanding of where we are as a church? You see. And like I said, it may be for a short time. There have been people that have come, come across my path, and I was all excited. They, uh, they got saved. And uh, maybe they, they came out of a rough lifestyle, and and I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. This is going to be an opportunity, a great opportunity for discipleship. And I, I never see them again. And I think, well, I wonder what happened. But I'll, I'll say this. God brought them our way. I, I faithfully preached the gospel. I tried to be a help and moved along. Maybe I was entertaining an angel in a way, or maybe whatever it was. But for that amount of time, I wanted to make sure, did I steward well? Was I faithful with that opportunity? Maybe, maybe someone, you know, uh, we can go on and on with the maybes, but, but, um, but they're receiving one another, having the same mind one another, uh, as Christ is our divine example. And so, well, that's a blessing to us as we kind of went through a few of these um, this uh, past several weeks.